You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 694 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, it is late into the night here on a Thursday into a Friday morning, and happy Friday. If you're listening to the podcast, the Hawks will be back in action on Friday evening up in the nation's capital against the Wizards, and a little bit shorthanded in that game, still without Jabari Parker and Bruno Fernando, but uh, most of today's podcast, I think almost all of today's podcast, will be non-game-driven. A couple of mailbag questions to get to in the second half of the podcast, but a couple of news items as well, kind of just one newsy thing, and then sort of an overall catch-up on what's going on. In Hawksland, the the news item though is that Trey Young continues to lead the All Star Game fan voting after the second returns. Um, without diving too too deep into the math here, it looks like Young finishing first in the fan voting would almost certainly put him in as a starter. It's not absolutely uh, you know a given at this point in time because there is some flexibility with the media vote and the player vote, but because half of the vote is. Uh, basically half half the formula is according to the fans. And if Trey finishes first there, um, some of his main competition for ter- in terms of fan votes is Kyrie Irving, who hasn't played really at all now. And I can't imagine, if nothing else, Kyrie is not going to get a whole lot of media support, I wouldn't imagine, because he hasn't played. So long story short, Trey looks to be in fantastic shape to be starting the All-Star game. Um, we will talk about that later, obviously, when it comes. And uh, by the way, the starters will be announced in exactly two weeks on January 23rd. In prime time, TNT, fancy stuff, all that stuff like that. But uh, because Trey should land pretty high in the media and the player voting, it looks like he's going to be in good shape. And we'll, uh, of course, cover that as we go here. But that actually was updated on Thursday afternoon. So I wanted to break that down real quickly at the top of the podcast. Okay, we'll we'll transition a little bit here to some team-based stuff and some big picture. At this point in time, the Hawks' numbers are still pretty brutal for the full season. They're 29th in offense on both NBA.com and Cleaning the Glass. They are bottom three or four in defense. They are dead last in net rating. And as of this moment, they still have the worst record in the NBA as well at 8-30. and 30. But some of the projection systems still have the Hawks winning in the mid-20s. 538 and ESP, uh, sorry, 530 has 26 wins. That feels right to me, honestly. Probably the, probably the highest one that I've seen out there in the marketplace right now. ESPN and Basketball Reference are down about 23. That feels low to me, given the schedule and the health stuff with the Hawks, because with Young, Collins, and Herter in the lineup, Hawks have been pretty decent this season. Only 107 minutes now still, even with the last couple of games, with the with the Hawks-leading trio on the court together. The, and Atlanta is actually minus 3.2 points per 100 possessions in that sample. That is a very, very, very small sample size, but if that were to hold, that's you know not a recipe for the Hawks to be absolutely terrible. They would still lose more than they win, obviously, with that with that kind of net rating, but still not too bad. And, and more recently, actually up to minus, 1 point, minus 1.8 net rating since Collins came back from the suspension with uh, those three guys on the court. So, you know, looking up a little bit there, and obviously too small of a sample, but a lot better than the uh, overall numbers for the Hawks. Also, from a teammate's perspective, in the last five games, the Hawks are two and three, of course, but all five came against playoff-bound teams. Um, I know Orlando is not great, but the Hawks won, won that game. And then the last four games against like full-fledged 50-win kind of playoff teams, and the Hawks have a minus 0.6, 0.6 that means, um, 
net rating in, in those games and actually a pretty decent defense, uh, even with playing against like the Nuggets and the Rockets. Pretty good, and, and the Celtics, well, great without, without Kimball Walker. But, you know, all that to say, I, we've been talking about this a lot, and on yesterday's podcast I said, you know, a couple different, couple different times that the Hawks have been playing pretty well recently that is definitely backed up here because you know two and three record doesn't doesn't feel great but all three losses during that five game stretch were in doubt late the Hawks had a chance to win all three of those games late in the game and those came against three legitimately good basketball teams so pretty good pretty good signs I would say for the Hawks looking ahead I think it's fairly clear now that the Hawks are vastly better with with Collins and Herter in the lineup than their eight and 30 record would actually indicate um you know couple that with the schedule they have 44 games left it wouldn't stun me if they want that they won like 20 more games, something like that, finished in, in the high 20s in terms of wins. I would probably project somewhere in the mid to high 20s. Uh, you know, some actually somebody, as we transition to a sort of mailbag stuff, somebody asked me the other day if they if they could go ahead and throw away their over 32.5 wins betting ticket from the preseason. Uh, I kind of laughed in reading that question that I got on Twitter. I would never recommend throwing away a ticket before it's over. I do think that that person's in deep trouble because the Hawks would have to, you know, I guess and with a big time, they'd have to go. I think twenty five and nineteen to win that down their down the stretch. And even with the schedule as favorable as it is, that's not likely. It's not impossible though. So keep that ticket if you're listening to this podcast. If anybody bet on the Hawks, it's not over just yet. But it does seem unlikely based on the ugly start that Atlanta had. Um, just for the record, the next two game, sorry, the next ten games for the Hawks are not too too brutal. Um, schedule-wise for Atlanta. The real break, as I said a couple times already on the podcast, comes in March with the schedule. The schedule in March is uh, very, very, very light. Um, but until then, the Hawks do play the Wizards twice. That's not that's not too bad. They play Phoenix at home on Tuesday. They play Detroit at home. Detroit's in a bad shape right now. So they have some winnable games in the next 10. Um, and obviously, since they've been challenging playoff teams, they can win some other games too. So the schedule is lighter now, and we'll see if the wins end up following for the Hawks. One more, I mean, it's kind of a mailbag question, but it's kind of an amalgamation of multiple questions. Got a lot of Andre Drummond content recently. First of all, if you missed it, I did have a pseudo-emergency podcast after the Adrian Wojnarowski reporting first came through um, last week, or I guess over the weekend. Talked about a lot of stuff on that one, um, so go back and listen to it if you want to listen to even more Drummond content. But an update to that, Mark Stein of the New York Times reported on Tuesday that the expectation now is that the... Pistons are going to move Drummond, if not, even if it's not just to Atlanta, they're going to move him somewhere probably before the uh, deadline. That makes sense because Blake Griffin now is probably going to be out for the season or at least close to it with uh, with, with injury stuff. And Detroit without Griffin is not a playoff contender. They have a bad record. And honestly, if they're not going to re-sign Drummond, they almost have to trade him because it would not be responsible to keep him if they were not planning on giving him a near-max contract. So... All that to say, you know, some incentive there for for the for the Pistons to go ahead and, and trade him. And I would say in general, I'm not a huge fan of the Hawks trading for Drummond right now. Um, there is a caveat there. If the Pistons basically come to a point where they basically want to, want to just give him away, um, which they shouldn't need to do, frankly, but if they wanted to do that just to get him out of there and do him a favor, the Hawks could be in, in the mix there. But if the Hawks have to pay a decent asset or two to get him, Basically, just they're just getting the uh, the right to likely overpay him this summer, and even then, Drummond can still leave. I made, I made that point in the last podcast too, but that is worth pointing out again here. If they trade for Drummond, there is no guarantee that Andre Drummond will resign with with the Hawks. They would have the leg up on it. You would have to imagine they have the, they would have a relationship there, working with him. But he would be unrestricted, and he could absolutely leave there. So keep that in mind. There is an argument about whether the Hawks should even want to give Drummond the big time contract, you know, hundred plus million dollars probably that he's likely to demand this summer, even in free agency. But if you combine that with, you know, with having to give up trade assets for him, it gets even a little bit more crazy. We will largely save the Drummond 
contract stuff for if it actually happens or maybe a lo- maybe around the, in the summer if it's free agency talk. But for now, I will say that paying a center that kind of money does not move the needle for me necessarily, unless the guy's a like, like an elite uh, defender. And I'm on the record as saying Drummond is probably not that. He is a good player. He's an all-star level player. He, at least he has been in the past, but not an elite one. So um, I'd be wary of that at center and just in general. I do think... If you want to tra- talk Trey, I got a lot of questions about what it would look like, probably in terms of the Hawks trade um, return. I think the best asset that the Hawks could even try to justify in a Drummond trade would be the Brooklyn pick, um, which we'll talk about actually a little bit later on in the podcast. I think the best as- the best asset that I would actually trade would be Bruno Fernando, um, and that's you know, it's basically that. The Hawks have five guys on the roster who are their core pieces right now. Bruno's like the sixth, and he's really the only other guy that's under contract that's a future-facing asset for the Hawks right now. Not a huge value one, but certainly one who could come, you know, Bruno could turn into a, to a, into a rotation player pretty easily. That would not surprise anybody. So he's the only guy that's a, that's not a draft pick. The only only asset that's not a draft pick is Bruno Fernando that I would, that I would personally trade. I would understand it. To a point, if they traded the Brooklyn pick, I would not love that. But uh, there you go. That's kind of that's kind of my dividing line. I would not trade Herder. I would not trade Reddish or Hunter, and obviously not Collins or Young. So, all that to say, that probably tells you that I'm not going to be driving the bandwagon for a uh, Bruno Fernando trade. And by the way, as a note here, the Hawks will have their second round pick this year, um, which could be a nice could have been a nice sweetener in this kind of trade package. They had to send that pick to Philadelphia as part of the Bruno Fernando trade um, at the draft last year. So the Hawks only have one pick right now in the draft in 2020 officially. That's their own first round pick, which is clearly not going to be on the table. And then they're probably going to have the Brooklyn pick, which we'll talk about later on, but no second round sweeteners in this draft. Keep that in mind for negotiation stuff, etc., etc. So to answer a question that I've gotten a lot, you know, I wouldn't trade any, any of the core pieces. That's kind of where I am with that. Um, the Brooklyn pick is kind of the swing one for me. And then uh, Bruno, I think you have to make him available for your trade for him. But in general, I am not super pro trading for Drummond. Want to be on the record about that. I will not burn the place down if they do it. I understand the reasoning why they might want to do it. But uh, as I laid out in the last podcast, as I did a little bit here, I think the um, the risk a little bit outweighs um, the reward for trading for a guy when you're 8-30 and 30 right now, for instance. It's different if you're going to improve this year and make a playoff run, but that doesn't seem likely. So some of that incentive is gone there. And uh, if they want him that badly, they can just pay him in free agency. And we'll talk about that later on on the podcast, I'm sure. Okay, before we get to the mail, the rest of the mailbag questions on the podcast, I do want to talk to you about the good folks at MyBookie because the, between the NFL playoffs, the NBA, and college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and join the action with MyBookie. If you're going to bet anywhere this season, do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Are you tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game itself. If you hop on board right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That, that, that means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with if you use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Take advantage of this, of this fantastically generous offer from MyBookie to sign up. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDONNBA at MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, and we're back with some mailbag questions from the listeners. So thanks to everybody that submitted something in the last week or two since I was gathering this stuff. I didn't really put out a full a full-blown call, but I always get some questions, and I really appreciate everybody chiming in. The first one comes from Terry, who says, I saw a tweet from Kevin Chouinard, and by the way, shouts to Kevin. Uh, that's my insert on the question, um, about a report that the Hawks could be interested in Davis Bertans. Is that a thing? Question mark. Um, 
maybe is the answer. Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington included the Hawks as a, quote, team to watch, end quote, for Bertans back in December. That popped back up this week when he added more teams to the list. Um, not not really anything new on Atlanta, but he was uh, that the Hawks were still included there, so there you go. On that, uh, Bertans has been awesome this year. He's been, he's been hurt a little bit lately, but an expiring $7 million contract, a team that traded for him, by the way, would have full bird rights if they went, uh, they went ahead and did that. Um, this year, he's basically just a fantastic shooter. He's 27 years old, um, not a great defender, but not an absolutely awful, unplayable one necessarily. Uh, 43% from three, though, on big volume. He's just a fantastic shooter. That's kind of the way you would want to put that. His numbers have been very, very good this year. He's been launching, attempting more than eight, eight threes a game this season. Uh, he'd obviously help the Hawks' offense and would be the best shooter on the team immediately, even better than guys like Herter and even Young, frankly. I mean, obviously Young's utility as a shooter is something different, but Bertans is a ridiculous shooter, um, one of the best shooters in the league. So, Obviously, the defensive questions wouldn't he would not help with that. I would say in terms of the Hawks, but much like Drummond, there's not really a ton of incentive for the Hawks that I can see to trade for Bertans now. And unlike Drummond, where the baseline is probably near, like a near max deal, where the, you can kind of know what they're going to get into with a Drummond contract, there isn't necessarily that same projection for Bertans. I'm not sure that having Bertans bird rights is going to be useful for the Hawks because the Hawks have so much cap space anyway that they don't need to go over the cap. That's not really have. There's not really a huge appeal there, and they could sign him in free agency as well. So, I don't really see the appeal of that. And Bertans honestly should be on the on, should be on the block for the Wizards probably. I, I'm not saying they have to trade him by any means, but if they want to get some value for him, that's probably a good idea at this point in time on expiring contract. But the teams that should be trading for Berdans are the winning teams. The teams are trying to win right now because he would definitely help. He's relatively young and the Hawks should probably be interested in him in free agency if the price is right, but um trading for him would not be great, but uh it was definitely out there. It was reported to some degree that he that the Hawks could be interested in Berdans. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be throwing a massive trade offer at Washington, but he would certainly help. And as a shooter, you can't really ask for much more than that. Uh, next question on the agenda comes from James, who sh- who says, should we should we as Hawks fans be worried about the Nets struggling lately? Uh, for reference here, I said this a few times on the podcast and tweeted it, et cetera, et cetera, but the Hawks are owed a lottery-protected first-round pick from the Nets. So in short, the best-case scenario for the Hawks is Brooklyn finishing as the eight-seed in the Eastern Conference, because if they miss the playoffs, they don't. The Hawks don't get the pick this year. It would roll over to next year, which isn't a disaster necessarily. But obviously, you want to have the best pick possible. And if the if the Nets finish with the eight seed, that becomes like the fifteenth pick in the draft, which is pretty valuable, even in a bad draft. Brooklyn has though lost seven games in a row as I record this, but even then, they're still pretty comfortably in the playoffs. Um, they're sixteen and twenty. Um, Kyrie injured. Kyrie Irving has been injured for a long time, as I said before about Trey Young. Um, without Kyrie, it's a little bit shaky right now. I will say that. Fortunately for the Hawks, and I guess for the Nets as well, the East is a is kind of a mess at this at this point in time. So it's a little bit less worrisome. I think the team that you have to circle that could, I would say, maybe challenge the Nets is the, is the Chicago Bulls. Um, you know, there are teams that could have, you know, similar records like Washington, like Washington, for instance, Washington's offense is actually legit. They have a top 10 offense, but they have the worst defense in the league and honestly, historically bad defense. So I can't imagine them winning enough games unless that improves. Chicago is not great either by any means. And that's why I feel good about the Nets, but the Bulls have been playing the best basketball, I think recently. So they, they, they would probably be the team to circle. It would have been Detroit until recently, but as I said before about Detroit, they have every reason now to kind of blow it up a little bit. So if you're trying to align a challenger, it's probably Chicago, but again, I would not be pessimistic too much about the Nets at this point in time. The systems that project this kind of thing still have the Nets as like the 7 or 8 seed along with the Magic in that same range, and Orlando has an injury issue of their own with Jonathan Isaac. So I think it should be noted that the 2020 draft is not great, and we'll talk about that more in a second here, and rolling it over wouldn't be the worst thing. But if you can get a pick 
if you're the Hawks, if you can, can go ahead and secure a pick in, in that range of like 15 to 17, you can't really ask for much more than that. That becomes a pretty good value with the trade that acquired the two picks from Brooklyn in exchange for Torian Prince. And, uh, yeah, there are players that can help you there. Even if it's not a great um, asset, it's still a very, very helpful one. First-round picks, even if the Hawks didn't have a guy that they wanted to grab in that range, they could certainly trade that pick, and that, that pick definitely has some value. So go ahead and give it to him now. That'd be what I want, would want if I was a Hawks fan in this spot. And even with the Kyrie stuff, I think the Nets have to be a favorite to make the playoffs. They're not as big a favorite as they would have been two weeks ago before they lost seven games in a row. But even then, it kind of tells you the, the picture when they when they lose seven in a row, and I still think that they're clearly favored to make the playoffs. So there you go on that. Um, last question on this podcast is going to be from Kendall, who asks, how bad is, is the 2020 draft and how does that affect the Hawks? Well, uh, a second ago, I said, I said the same thing about, about the Nets pick, but the 2020, the 2020 draft is... Uh, shall we say brutal? I think the middle of the draft is not as bad. I will say that. Like we're talking about the Brooklyn pick specifically, if the Hawks are picking in that range, it's not great. But I think the top of the draft is more of a problem than the uh, middle of the draft. So that the Brooklyn pick would be sort of more aligned with the typical what you would return in that in that spot. Although still below average certainly in terms of the draft, but the top. It's pretty ugly. Uh, at this moment, I have George's own Anthony Edwards, number one overall, but for comparison's sake, he definitely would have been behind the top guys in the last couple of drafts, certainly behind Z- Zion and Ja last year, behind Luka and company in 2018. So, you know, he's a good prospect. I do like Anthony Edwards. I think if you're a Hawks fan, that would be great to bring Anthony Edwards to town and kind of, I guess, keep him in town. But, uh, you know, just comparison's sake, he's the only guy that, you know, is even in the top probably five in the last two drafts for me coming in, at least for the Hawks. There are guys who I could be talked into like LaMelo Ball, which we'll come back to in a second. But uh, yeah, not the greatest top of the draft and no slam dunks. Even with Anthony Edwards, who I do like, he is not Luka. He is not Zion. Um, he's not on that level for for me as a prospect. Um, making it worse in this draft, if you're a Hawks fan, is that um, the one spot that people kind of like at least a little bit in this class is lead guard. And the Hawks don't need a point guard, obviously. Um, they have Trey Young. And with Trey Young... Um, who has he's been fat, he's been awesome this year, uh, but there is some limitation there. So you can't really take a point guard alongside Trey Young, particularly one that has any kind of defensive issue, because that's just never going to work. Like, for instance, Lamelo Ball and Cole Anthony are two, you know, consensus top five or six prospects that I think the Hawks just basically can't draft. I mean, at least not early on. If they fail inexplicably, that's different. But I, I can't imagine using a top five pick if I'm the Hawks on either one of those guys. That that puts your arms behind your back a little bit, kind of like last year in the draft when it was Kobe White and Darius Garland, and the Hawks just couldn't take those guys. And it didn't burn them necessarily, but um, just limiting your options is unfortunate. And this is definitely a lead guard draft for the most part. Um, I do think, like, also I would add in Nico Mannion to that. To that, I like I like Nico quite a bit, actually, but uh, not a guy that could that would fit with Trey Young in any way, shape, or form in the top five or six of this class. So, it's hard to sell. It's hard to help. It's hard to sort of sell Hawks fans and sell me, honestly, on a on a pick with uh, any of those guys. So, it would come down to a couple of options that I hear all the time. I think the only guy that I would say I am comfortable using a top three pick on in this class, if I'm the Hawks, is Anthony Edwards at this point. It could change, obviously. I think it probably will change a little bit as more tape goes on with, with all these guys. But Edwards is the guy who I clearly have number one for a Hawks-based big board right now. Um, but even then, again, he's not that kind of generational prospect, in my opinion. Um, after that, you get into James Wiseman, and you get into a Kong Wu from, from USC, um, a guy like, Ty, Ty, like Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky who played against Edwards the other night um, in Athens. I like Maxey a lot, by the way. But in a typical draft, he probably isn't a top five prospect. It's just 
he's probably there for me now on a Hawks board because he's not a point guard and a couple of guys that might be ahead of him on a big board consensus are, uh, are point guards. So all that to say, it is a bad draft. What you've heard is accurate. I'm not, I would say I'm, I'm more informed than most on the draft, but I'm not quite um, all the way dialed in just yet. I'll be spending uh, basically the rest of you know the next six months doing draft stuff, diving in, and uh, January is kind of the time where it starts, you know, we're meeting the road. I got a little bit of a late start compared to normal on the draft this year, but I'm dialed in a little bit. We're digging in, and the top guys are the top guys, et cetera, et cetera. So plenty more on the on the draft to come, by the way. Um, basically, if you are a new listener to the podcast, this turns into almost exclusively a draft show from, at least right now with the Hawks and the rebuild, how they are right now with no playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, from mid-April until the draft in late June. It's... I would say 90% draft stuff on this podcast because that's kind of what's going to be focusing on and it's offseason for the Hawks, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe, maybe some more free agency this time around because the Hawks have so much money for agency, but the draft is a heavy part of this podcast. As we get going here, I will have visits from draft experts coming up. I had a show with Coles Wicker already on this class a few weeks ago. Um, Sam Bassini hopefully will come back on. I'm a good friend with Sam. I enjoy Sam's work quite a bit from The Athletic. Um, Brian Schroeder, I'm hopefully we'll get will come back on the podcast. Jackson Frank, plenty of names. Ben Pfeiffer, lots of people that were on the podcast last year that I plan to ask to come on again to talk about the draft, and uh, we'll dig on we'll, we'll, we'll dig in deep, I promise you, but the, the class is not good. So uh, that's unfortunate for the Hawks as a team with at least one pick in the top half of the first round. So yeah, not great timing there, but alas, we press on. Okay, that'll do it for today's podcast. I said this on the last show, but one more time here. I am traveling this weekend. I'll actually be on a plane during the game on Friday night. So barring something insane like a drum and tray or something like that, I will not have a new podcast directly after that game because I'll be in the air and I'll be watching the game later on, probably uh, either late Friday night, very, very late, or during the day on Saturday. But um, I will combine, and I will talk about that game um, in, in combined fashion with the game on Sunday, the Hawks play on Sunday. Um, in Brooklyn after playing on Friday in Washington, D.C. So I will talk about both those games, a sort of a combined episode that will go up on uh, Sunday night or Monday morning, one of those two for your commute on Monday on Monday morning. So have no fear. I'm not forgetting about you guys, and I don't like to skip games, um, but it's just the way the things broke down there, and I will always catch up, I promise you, on uh, whatever happens. So there you go on that. Please hit the subscribe button on this podcast via the platform of your choice. Please tell your friends about the show as well. Um, we are seeing some growth on the podcast, which I really appreciate. So hopefully the Hawks will be responding with some wins. It gets, it gets people excited people excited again about the product. But uh, at any rate, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you at the very, very latest on Monday.